This is The Long Run Show with Austin P. Wilson and Michael J. O'Connor. The Long Run Show is brought to you by Benzinger Podcasts for listeners like you. Thank you. So welcome back to another episode of The Long Run Show. Here today, I am joined by my co-host, as always, Michael O'Connor. Hello. And, and today, we also have a special guest. Uh, Stuart Winchester is with us today. He is the CEO and founder of Marble, which is an insure tech platform and, and kind of rewards platform. Some interesting things they're doing over there. So, Stuart, good to have you with us today. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. This is uh, this is going to be very exciting. Yeah, I, I'm I'm glad we get to talk to you. We we talked with another an insure tech uh, founder. He was more on the healthcare Medicare insurance side of things. Okay, was that was uh, that Rich? Yes. Yep. Yeah. And I, I believe he had uh, connected us, and and so we just wanted to continue world. the conversation. Insure tech is also a small world where you gotta be at a certain level of dorkiness to get into insure tech. <laughs> so we all find each other anyways. Well, you you took two good you know nerdy subjects. You took insurance <laughs> and you technology yeah, just, and put them together. It's the I'm, I'm not surprised. There's a circle, so we all just find <laughs> each other. It's full overlap on that one. Yeah. Exactly. There's 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 no uh, no outliers. Well, good. Yeah. So actually, before we get started, I have to mention, I, I read a little bit. I want to make sure I read correctly, though. Are you the same Stuart Winchester that is into skiing and is, no. is a fanatic <laughs> about skiing? Or is that a different not, alter that's ego? A different, that's a different Stuart Winchester. But I will say this. We have corresponded on Twitter and over email. Okay. And we often get mixed up for each other at events <laughs> in New York as well. And I was yeah. recently at a networking event and someone tapped me on the shoulder and was like, I love your skiing blog. And I was <laughs> like, thank you. Different Sir Winchester. And shout out to him, though I doubt he's, you know, maybe he's listening to my podcast. But he also spells, he spells Stuart like me, which is a less go. common spelling. Yeah, with so the U really, instead of the exactly. W, right? So we're yeah. really in it together. But no, and I've actually fully ceded that to him because I've really never been skiing in my life. So he fully <laughs> owns that vertical in the Stuart Winchester, you know, stakes. <laughs> in, the, in the Stuart Winchester niche, you know, it's, it's Yeah, like highly niche a... thing. Yeah, niche <laughs> names, niche hobbies, and he's got that one on lock. What I'm, what I'm hearing is that you guys should do it. You should, he should be your spokesperson. You should insure him for skiing and then he takes you out skiing. That's a really good glad. idea. We should get him some like catastrophe insurance or something. And then, yeah, he, or me get it for me and do like a Bear grills type thing, right? Just like hurt myself for a podcast or something. That'd be very good. <laughs> That'd be perfect. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, anyways, maybe we'll, maybe we'll have you both on, do a, do a yeah, yeah, exactly. episode at some point. So I, I, I if you were that Stuart Winchester, I was going to talk to you about Michigan skiing because it's fantastic, but. You know, mm. you'll just have to. That could be your second win. Battle, yeah, that's your just, hook. Just take you up just back, now. Back to back store Winchesters. You can probably promote him. <laughs> he probably has more reach too. So, <laughs> anyways, so we're getting far. <laughs> I mean, this is the long run show, and I have been on some pretty long run uh, ski chairs and runs before. <laughs> so very long, long ski runs. Um, but anyways, to so bring it back around um, to to the insuretech world. Um, so Marble, can you just explain to us what, what you guys are working on over there as far as Marble pay um, and the re there's a rewards component and insurance yeah. and all that? Can you just kind of explain, you know, explain that to us? Just give us the totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so we, we started Marble um, really with this view to create a single platform for the household individual or the household generally to manage all their insurance and all their risk. You know, that, that what we what we say internally and we say marketing is that you know, make it easy and reward you for protecting what you love. Mm -hmm. um, so the neobanks, 
you know, your mints and your personal finance apps. Over the years, we've seen incredible progress in centralizing, standardizing, and sort of making more convenient the methods of organizing these things uh, for the household. And insurance has <clears throat> sort of been the last to fall. It's still very balkanized. You know, you have individual carrier applications or it's in your inbox, your email. And I saw this because I used to work in a mortgage company. And no matter how much technology we deployed, we still could not shorten the window it took to get the right insurance information for the mortgage because people just didn't know where it was, what to send, what they had, who had it. So we built this sort of one one hub for all your insurance and all your risk. And then we've layered this rewards element in it because rewards and insurance are really not, is also not really a space that's been pushed into. Um, so consumers can earn rewards for, you know, uploading policies, referring friends, telling us about their assets, their plans, um, and then, you know, cool stuff down the line that we have planned in the future. Gotcha. Okay. That's interesting that you brought the rewards part in because that like you said is not really a thing i i mean yeah cashback rewards everybody's using credit cards and then of course airlines get in with points and and royal you know loyalty programs yeah of course you got your grocery stores i actually just saw uh gm launch their own mm. points card I, with one of the major <clears throat> carriers which i thought was kind of a wild take but everybody's into rewards right it's a very it is and <clears throat> so there's there's a reason for that historically which is that insurance highly regulated industry, mm -hmm. like a lot of, you know, financial industries, but particularly insurance, there's been this historical concept of rebate law, which still exists. And, and that it's, it started for very good reasons in that life insurance agents back in the day would give big discounts, typically funded from their commission to people who they wanted to sell insurance to. And that, you know, the turn of the last century largely was like, you know, white men who looked like them. And that led to much worse pricing for everyone else. Like a lot of regulations, you know, it was written before the internet really existed. Um, part of Farble's concept is we've done a ton of research and work with the regulators to say, hey, what, where can we do rewards? Where can't we? We cannot you know, incentivize buying. We can't make anything cheaper to sell. Um, and also what, you know, can we stay, if we stay sort of blind to who our members are, i.e. there's no really, you know, no sort of biasing impact, can we offer rewards? Um, which is how we brought into it because to that point, insurance is like, you know, you can't turn on the TV without seeing an insurance commercial. There's so <laughs> much money in yeah. the space and rewards provide this really neat mechanism. If you can be thoughtful about removing the biasing impacts mm -hmm. to pull money away from, you know, sports networks and the social media platforms and sort of put some incentive back in the pocket of, of people to engage with it. So that's, that's part of our, part of our founding thesis as well. That's really interesting. And, and I don't want to harp on it too much because I know we have lots of fun stuff to talk about. But the the rewards aspect, do you see that also as kind of a generational thing? Because it seems like mm. insurance is this classic, uh, not not an old concept, in an old, but it's, this gets, it's got a little bit of barnacles around it in terms of an industry. You know, it's <laughs> stuff to scrape off and, and kind of clean off an update that seems to not as caught up as much. Is that, you know, kind of adding some some fun, a little more interactivity to it? Is that kind of what you're saying? That's exactly, I mean, exactly. That like we, one of our biggest obstacles in fundraising was sort of finding investors who would come with us on this first leg of the journey to see if we could prove that people would engage with insurance, you know, cared about it more than once a year when, and you know, if, if even that really. Um, and I think a large 
a large rebuttal that I had in the fundraising process to people who were objecting with this idea that, oh, people don't care about their insurance, which look, I, 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 I was an insurance agent. I hear that all the time, but it's like, we ha have we ever really tried? You know, have we ever really delivered an experience? Basically, do they not care about the insurance or do they not care about the ways that were the tools that we're giving them? Um, because I do, I would argue that people do care about how they protect their stuff. If you, if you frame it on those terms, it's, it's something you should care about and people do. Um, but if it totally sucks to shop for it and to manage it and the apps look like they're out of, you know, 2006, it, you're, you know, in the same way, you don't want to send a bank wire, you'd rather send a, pay, a Venmo. It's the same exact proposition. So, so we see, and we've, we've been fortunate. We see, you know, we don't see, we're not day trading like Coinbase, but we see, you know, 30%, you know, monthly activation rates in the app. And that's pretty huge for insurance. So that number, actually, just just real quick, activation rate. What does that exactly mean for somebody yeah. just, just just hearing this? Because that sounds interesting. It sounds like a, a touch point that you're actually getting your users to interact on a monthly basis. Is that is yeah? That we, we do right? sort of like we do like these engagement cards in the app where people can like either do like risk mitigation behaviors or. Um, they can do surveys or they can just tell us and share information with us that we might be able to use to get them a better rate. And we'll, we'll incentivize some, you know, 40 cents, 50 cents, maybe a buck. Um, some people come in and do those for the reward. Some people come in and do it much later, seemingly not as driven by the reward. Um, but, but just because it helps build out this profile that, you know, allow it makes it easier to shop later or, you know, surfaces discounts you didn't know about. Um, and this, that, sorry, to your, to your question, Austin, that specific number is like, month over month, how many of our users are coming in, opening the app, and <clears throat> we say taking at least one action besides signing in. Wow. So, uh, yeah, which is pretty That's great for very us. I mean, good engagement. Yeah. And we're, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll caveat it, you know, because I'm sure for, you know, for any listener, but, you know, these are our first, we're on our first 20,000 users. They're, you know, our most highly motivated users. Right. Like, you know, that number will, right as rain, come down, I'm sure, but it's good early signs. Yeah. That's fantastic. So the let, let's just back up to make sure I understand what you guys are, are providing. It sounds like almost kind of like Mint did for budgeting and accounting personally. You're you're basically doing that for insurance. So are you are you actually selling insurance and are, are you an insurance broker for different types or are you just housing the policies and making the organization easier or what's the what's the revenue kind of yeah model? yeah how do we make money yeah. yeah. Um, so we, we get Mint for insurance a ton. I would say most user interviews, we or Truebill for insurance, you know, whoever you want to sort of throw into that conversation. We make money a couple different ways. We don't operate as a broker or agent today. That's a critical piece as well of our regulatory position is that, you know, we don't touch pricing. We don't, dis we don't negotiate pricing. We don't solicit or make any representations on policies. We sell leads. Um, we do that in a pretty integrated way. So you don't have to... We want, we want to avoid that thing where you click and then you click again and you enter all the same information twice, um, yeah. which we can do because we have all your policy information. Um, so basically the user flow uh, of Marble, and I'll get to the revenue part of this, is you come in, we built our own sort of plaid for insurance. We've also partnered with some great companies who, who now do that as their full-time product offering. We'll pull in, we'll sort of like hoover in, you know, maybe your renter's policy, your auto policy, your pet policy. We can also take your life policy, whatever you have. We'll write that all to the database securely. Then when you want to shop, if and when you want to shop, you can click, we'll pre-fill everything we can, and then you'll get some rates. We then make 30 to 50 bucks on a lead click. And again, part of our model is, 
and our thesis is there's so much money sort of bouncing around. It's like one of the places the name Marvel comes from. There's so much money and value sort of bouncing around in here. Like that's so much money you can make on a non-binding leave click. Why don't we just incentivize people to stay engaged with the platform and put some of that back into a rewards pool instead of, you know, frankly, lighting it on fire on Facebook or something for marketing? Yeah, that that makes sense. So it's uh, it's not that that kind of answered my, the question I was going to ask about rebates because I am am a little bit familiar with that. I, I had experience at a, a financial planning firm and we did some life mm. insurance. I was actually an old insurance shop turned financial planning firm, and, and so I was kind of wondering, okay, rewards and insurance typically doesn't go together for for good reasons, as you exactly. stated earlier. Um, and so I was wondering how you got around that. So basically, you, the position that you have is you know you're not regulated as a broker or as an agent. So you don't have to deal with that issue. And you're, you're making sure that you're far enough away from any sort of Yeah, We don't display pricing. We don't inform pricing. And, and what we also try to do just as a couple, because we, you know, we take the regulatory, the worst thing you can do in insurance, I think is not like respect the thousand year old industry (laughs) that it is. Yeah. um, So we also, you know, we try to only reward things that tie to the new model. So there's a sort of governing body, the NAIC, which is like the regulatory body. They have new model law that has proposed that uh, rewards or rebating would be permissible for things that improve financial wellness or improve your personal risk or your household risk. So we try to tie things to, to that. Um, and we also try to stay under the sort of state de minimis threshold, which is the sort of lowest threshold you could or the highest threshold of rewards you could offer. So, again, our goal is not to <clears throat> do any regulatory arbitrage. It's really just a build from the ground up in a way that maybe historically insurance industries haven't because they've been focused on distribution. And that, I feel like that makes a lot of sense considering the, I mean, just the digitization of so many industries, especially, I mean, when you said, (laughs) it it still sticks out in my mind when you said, you know, who does wire transfers uh, as much anymore? Who prefers wire transfers? That's like such a a great point or, or even checks. I mean, I can't remember. Oh yeah. I think I used to check like eight years ago, maybe. I know, <laughs> I know. It's crazy. And I love the the platform model of, you know, you're providing a, a, a one-stop place where people, you know, whether they have individual different brands or whatever, it's a place to aggregate that and see that, which I think is, is just a great idea. How did, what was the process of, mm. I mean, for you going from, because uh, I know you, you mentioned you worked in insurance sales. Like, what was the process of number one, like coming up with the idea behind this, and then kind of saying, "Okay, I believe." And we all—it's the long run show. We always talk about the long run, saying, "I believe that this is, you know, this is viable to where the industry is heading." Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, like I mentioned, I, I spent about two plus years at a company called Better.com, which is sometimes in the news recently. Uh, well leave that aside for the time being. But um, my job there was to run, first I did acquisition for the mortgage side. And that was an interesting sort of lesson in um, acquisition versus retention, you know, because people can refinance and there was some quite, you know, big product there was not only getting the most efficient cost of acquisition, but then could we stay with people through the first refinance? And that that would be a lot cheaper, you know? So that got me thinking about that model. I then hopped over uh, and sort of had the opportunity um, to, to launch an insurance practice. And that's how I became licensed as an agent. And in that, you know, I was the GM, but I was the first one, the first salesperson. And I was on the phone all the time. And it was just so 
striking to me that Better has a phenomenal technology stack and could do you know, credit verification, income, all, you know, expenses, background, anything you need for mortgage, basically pull it as quickly as possible. Even with a fully digital insurance experience, we worked with Lemonade and Hippo. Like I said, it was taking five to seven days to, to verify that on average. Because again, we get photos of auto insurance. We get life, you know, you just, even if you said people just weren't sure where it was or the inertia to get it was so annoying because they were like, it's somewhere in my house or my spouse has it. So I, I started to, I, on the wallet platform thesis, I had a lot of conviction coming out of that experience um, in that. And then, and then Michael, to your point, I was able to look around sort of the ecosystem of FinTech and be like, look, this is generally a sound thesis. The rewards piece, I actually, I was formed a relationship with a venture capital firm in New York and they had been working on this rewards thesis, but they wanted sort of an incubation GM CEO rather, I guess, to take it on. Um, and that was the most, much trickier part because it was a great idea and you could look at credit cards and, and Austin, to your point, you could look at airlines, but how did, was it square peg round hole with insurance? So the first eight months of, of Marble, we didn't hire anybody. It was, it was me and a user researcher who I worked with at Better sitting in you know this vc's office like calling people paying people gift cards to get on the phone with us and just trying to figure out what mental model people had for rewards and insurance if any um and and at the end of that we we figured out that um we you know really really it was centralizing all the policies was the way to do it we we, we for a while we thought it might be payments um but that actually seemed to be way down the line for people paying your insurance most people use auto pay wasn't a huge problem area yeah i'm not i'm not surprised to hear you say that payments were not the issue i have everything on auto pay exactly so <laughs> like literally everything so it makes sense you moved upstream to to solve the problem exactly that, that, that. yeah. people you know you'd interview them be like oh paying is whatever but they'd be like ah but i do have to like check and like you know sometimes my husband has it here like i don't know where it is and we're like okay right. now we're cracking into something that like people are starting to talk about like they're annoyed which is when you know you're onto something yep exactly yeah if you find a that's that's the classic i mean you're finding a pain point and yeah exactly, exactly. Solve it, right so I mean, you find the annoyance there's the pain point just yeah. <laughs> just, just peel back the onion a little bit and you'll find exactly it. so it, it is interesting to he hear kind of the wall approach because i i have had some experience with um kind of the i guess it would be the professional side of kind of the financial wallet mm. world so essentially like your your um, financial planning software where you have a vault yeah. that's totally secure and you can upload everything to there, but then it just kind of sits there. So it's good for, you know, hard documents that aren't going to change very often, like your trust or your will or whatever is, is necessary, but a dynamic document like insurance. I mean, I just archive all of that in the, um, in my email and call it good. So what's the kind of pitch to, we've gone over the business side and like the, mm. the the founding process what's the pitch to the user like why would a user want to engage with you guys when it almost just kind of sounds like oh they're just going to kind of like pitch me new insurance that might be cheaper so that could be a, pro a part of it um but what's the what's the kind of the the i guess value proposition for the the user and um, yeah and then this is like the this is the far more interesting area i think because because you, there is like i said so much inertia with sort of the boringness of the product and and the kind of the you know, it doesn't, it's not a dynamic product, doesn't throw off yield like a, you know, an investment or, you know, it doesn't, 
it doesn't quite have the same all, you know, all including idea of a trust or a will as well. So it sort of lies in this like kind of in between zone. So for us, I mean, basically the, the, the short answer to this is about 40% of our users come to us because they have, you know, what we would call a more complex than usual insurance picture, which is about three, if they have three active policies. Um, and, you know, what we saw for them is the um, digital frustration of not having those policies stacked and organized and also um, written in a way that is like digital and, and, and convenient. And we say written, what I mean is like being able to pull the data off in a convenient way, being able to pre-populate if you want to shop and compare, being able to share, you know, parts or all of that with a financial advisor. Maybe you have a life insurance policy and you want to share that with your financial advisor. You know, again, that's something that we can do with a sort of secure um, drop link as opposed to downloading a PDF, attaching it to your Gmail, stuff like that. Again, these things that feel like they do feel a little bit like table stakes when you compare them to other industries, but insurance has just been sort of slow to adopt them. About 60% of people come in for rewards and stay for those other pieces. Um, And I think where we want to go or we do plan to go is to sort of add this third feature set on, which is the more time rewards, the more active maintenance of your risk, as well as the organization of your policy. So not only do you have all your policies in place, not only are you earning some rewards for it, not only can you shop and save, but let's pull in you know, kangaroo security system. Let's pull in a Cambridge Telematics drive safe program. Let's not tie it to your carrier, which sometimes users have negative associations with because they think, hey, maybe, you know, there's some surveillance element or the carrier, you know, let's just tie it to you. And then when you shop, we will make sure that your great driving or your flood monitor is part of that rating matrix. So you get a better rate. And then we, you know, Full disclosure to this note is for very simple business. Those leads are more valuable to us if you have more data. So, you know, the whole, it's a virtue, you know, I'm fixated on virtuous cycles. Anyone who has been fortunate enough to listen to like any of my other, I always talk about like, we think we can build a virtuous cycle there where you become better risk, your stuff's more protected, you become more valuable to an insurance company. We then make a little bit more and then we can fund more rewards for you. And it just keeps going like that. That's super interesting because the last, and, and this is actually funny. I think insurance is the topic that we've had the most episodes about, which is wild. <laughs> to think about. It's not cryptocurrency. It's not like, I think it's been insurance. This is our third episode, but it's fascinating because I think in our last one with Rich, like we mentioned, we're talking about how, you know, the transition in, especially like in healthcare and everything from, you know, kind of this passive model of you break your arm, you go to the hospital, that's healthcare to, you know, being active. I think there's, there's so many tailwinds behind being more active in keeping yourself fit and healthy and kind of these, these risk modifiers that are inherent in insurance. And I find it so interesting, you know, you guys like working to help people do that, but then also capitalize on that. I mean, it seems like a great trend to be getting behind. Is that something that, um, you know, how, how did that kind of come about? And is that something that you've seen for a while? Or do you think that's something that's, you know, kind of this growing trend? It's definitely a growing trend. And I think the biggest, uh, to sort of like answer your question with a different topic almost, is like the biggest headwinds we face will are and continue to be the sort of maturity of the technology 
specific to insurance in that space. Um, you know, fintech has driven the open sourcing of a lot of key banking infrastructure, or at least pay, you know, if not open sourcing, like pay APIs, high quality data payloads, you know, that's, you know, Plaid and Stripe are behemoths and titans and holding up that sort of share of data. Insurance is trickier. You know, there aren't great central clearinghouses for all IoT devices. There is only now sort of a plaid for insurance, you know, race to the, race to the top happening in terms of some great companies who are building that tech. Um, and, and getting payments and getting claims payments in is a whole, you know, that's a ball wax that we really can only, we've only started to sort of chisel away at. So I think, you know, on my best days, my most optimistic days, I think that we're surfing right at the front of the wave. And as this technology matures and as you have, you know, cool companies like Whoop and, you know, things that, again, are developing these things and people are creating that connective tissue, we are, we are in pole position to, you know, take pipe off the hook, plug it into marble and say, you know, Michael, here's your Whoop now. We can use that at, at your discretion not tied to any carrier, but at your discretion, we and you can use that to get a better rate or to get health behavior. You know, you're going to be in control of that via marble. And on my more pessimistic days, I'm like, you know, duck paddling below the surface. You know, will, can we fight through this long enough for this technology stack to mature? Yeah, it, it's interesting you're talking about like the maturing of the technology stack because I, in in a, you know the the past experience I've had in, in the financial planning world, it is so frustrating to do transactions that you think should be and again i'm young and naive so i come into it thinking oh yeah we'll be able to get this done in three days no problem and then you know the the you get to off the the mutual fund company and you're trying yes. to get one fund totally liquidated or just in kind transferred and it takes two weeks and you're like i, I can see the money in this account i want it in this account please move it <laughs> so i think there's been a there's been a trend thank goodness in fintech with with those companies you mentioned plaid stripe and then of course on the on the investment side you got your betterments your wealth fronts that are like exactly. they're building out this infrastructure that wasn't there before which leads to this this opportunity for innovation that we haven't even thought of like you're what you're saying is attaching the risk uh basically like the 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 way you act to how a product fits you where instead exactly of a it. product being built and you have to go find the perfect product for you it's almost like a it's almost like a tailor like you you go to this tailor they know you they take your measurements they have your profile and then they fit you with a great suit instead of oh i gotta go shop 50 online different stores that may do a great job building a suit but it's not the right exact one for me and so now i gotta go find the right one it just makes the the user the end users process so much simpler it does, and it's 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 in its in the most golden state. That is what you know. We can provide this sort of holistic risk platform that grows with the user and their household across mm -hmm. all the different ways you protect your stuff. You know, maybe you're, you know, you you're leaving college and now you want a little bit of cyber insurance because you've got more stuff, or you want like rent or you know whatever it might be. But awesome, you, you really nailed it you know nail it on the head there today the way that people do that is they google single channel products they say hey i need you know crypto insurance because you know i'm into that you know trading that now and stuff like that and unfortunately that insurance is too boring to sustainably be a pull product um and but but it is a pull product and that means that you have just in enormous 
marketing budgets because you all have to be trying to be in the right position when the user is ready to pull. Right, because it's so it's so rare. It comes around exactly. once a year. It's almost like taxes too, right? Like taxes. It is like taxes. Ta- ta- around just, once a year. Uh, <laughs> one of my buddies was shopping for auto insurance the other day, and he was like, "Hey, you know, I'm going to shop," and he used another insure tech, and because he was like, I, "I was like, look, I just want to see what their flow is like," and he went through it, and it, it's you know, a great company, one of the better flows I've you know I've seen in insure tech, and I've looked at them all, but I will say at the end of the day, he did have to enter all his insurance all his info twice. You know, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's like, so, so that's the sort of, that's the other shoe dropping is like, even these hundred million dollar funded companies with unbelievable, you know, former, you know, Fang engineers who are working with eagerness to, 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 to fight their way to, you know, profitability and scale are running into like existential infrastructure concerns. Um, and, and, you know, it's funny and I, I don't want to, like, I'll just try to keep this somewhat brief, but it is funny when you build a consumer facing insure tech tool, especially one that tries to develop like a member relationship. We're constantly trying to, to calibrate the right communication strategy between explaining what we can do and explaining why we can't deliver things that our consumers expect because of the industry. Because you don't want to be making excuses, but you also want to be like, consumers are like, wait, why can't I just do this? I can do this on my Chime account. And you're like, yeah, buddy, but this is a, you're welcome to insurance. This is a totally different ballgame. <laughs> like we are, we are, we are, but yeah, and it's not really up to users to, to bear the brunt of that, but right. it's, a, there's a fast adjustment curve to being like, welcome to, you know, a different era. Yeah. Yeah. Totally different era. So in, in the, in, in kind of the, the long-term view of this space, the, the insurance space, it's almost a subset. I don't even know if I would put it in fintech. I guess it gets lumped in there because it's easy for people to think about. But I don't even know that I would put it directly in fintech. It seems very different. Um, so in this space, we like like we just talked about, we've had a lot of innovation. I think the the big driver was the, the 2008 recession. And there was yeah. just a lot of craziness in the financial sector. People wanted more transparency. They wanted things they could do themselves and control a little bit more. That led to a, a build out of all these different pieces that the betterments and the wealth fronts and the personal capitals of the world needed. Do you see what where do you see insurance in that sort of kind of, uh, I guess, journey of we need these underlying the underlying plumbing to work right for us to build on top of it to have solutions that actually work and at the same time deliver on ever increasing expectations from consumers i mean i want things to happen quick right so like venmo is yeah. great it goes it's just it's there right it could be bad if you send it to the wrong guy but it's there right so that that's that's something where they they had it built out but also at the same time our you know our relationship to phones and technology and of course wireless and and internet that was all kind of building and it kind of hit the curve at the right time where do you see insurance? Do you think insurance is going to be able to catch up as far as the infrastructure they're building? Is it already there, and we just don't don't see it so much on the the consumer side? What do you What do you say as far as as the journey that they're on? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing I'll say just to to ground us because you made a great point about the sort of Great Recession and fintech is I don't you know predictions are always a tricky thing, but they they are fun, but. <laughs> we are we are at an interesting time for insurance, particularly property and casualty, driven by supply chain and inflation. Mm-hmm. Costs are going up, and insurance is largely informed by you know replacement cost. You know, replace your car, replace your parts, replace your 
home, whatever it is. Right. So, so insurance premiums are going to creep up um, and that's going to drive premiums up. Um, however, millennials who are, you know, the large, I think the largest driving of, you know, you know, these discretionary income purchases, I may, that might not actually be true, but they're certainly a big part of it, do not necessarily have a lot more income. They're also, due to COVID, largely driving somewhat less. And I think auto insurance, you know, follow auto insurance is, you know, auto insurance is a great indication of where the insurance market for personal, personal lines going generally is going to be in a very weird space because millennials rates are going to be going up. There's very low loyalty in insurance. It's a commodity product, you know, whatever you want to say, that just is, that's the ball game. And I think you're going to see it just, I basically think you're going to just see a massive fall in retention um, for the carriers in, in 2022. And I think it's going to lead to a lot of um, innovations. People are going to have to either get distribute faster because they're going to be filling the, you know, filling the bucket up at the top, or they're going to be finding other things. And I'll tell you, we have a lot of, you know, carriers who, who have been like, Hey, can we just license your whole wallet? We, cause we need some way to stay in touch with our users, even if they don't have a policy with us. Um, and I, so that's starting to percolate in, in the space. Um, the, to, to your question though, also of like what, you know, what is the sort of will insurance catch its infrastructure up? That's hard. I mean, I've had the chance to kind of look under the hood at a couple of carriers infrastructure as part of these conversations. And they're, they're certainly have a lot of, of core replatforming to do. Um, my bet again, and I don't have to make these bet professionally, which is a huge relief is that we'll see a, another wave of consolidation. The public markets are absolutely punishing the insure techs. Insure tech valuations are low but insurance companies, incumbents, cash reserves are high. And I would bet you see, I would bet, my bet is that we will see a consolidation and we will see the sort of borrowing or acquiring of more more recent tech to solve that problem rather than huge rebuilds. Yeah, that makes sense from an efficiency perspective as well. I mean, a lot of these big companies, that might be a whole new division that they got to you know, hire on. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Organize. And that's just a lot of, it's a lot of expense. So that, that, that makes sense. Um, as far as the, the kind of insurance, um, space in general for, for you guys, does the commoditization matter? Because I have seen that myself in in Mm. auto insurance, you know, it's totally a commodity. I don't, I don't care if it's triple A progressive, whoever I'm just going to the cheapest. I mean, this is where I get like, this is where I have to like be, mindful of my brashness because i do you know, like <laughs> my, my my you know my parents both worked in insurance my dad's worked in insurance since he was in high school you know it's like i respect the the long-standing nature of the industry i do think though so so yes sorry straight answer commoditization is great for us because the more insurance policies look like um a, just a, a standard financial instrument the more that we can look like robin hood you know, and the more that we can look like a platform where you're constantly assessing your risk and your coverage and the cost of that coverage, um, the more likely it is that you're going to want a place where y- you have a relationship with a trusted, beautifully designed centralized platform, i.e. Robinhood, Coinbase, Fidelity, you know, any of these great companies. And then you are being facilitated and, co- you know, coached that that has tough regulatory implications or at least informed to get the best the best financial product 
through that platform, you can. Um, that's trickier today, again, because the infrastructure and as well, because Geico and Progressive just won't play ball in that environment and they control like 45% of the auto market. But again, it's, it's changing. It's changing day by day. I mean, um, and I, I think that commoditization is great for companies like ours. I mean, they're great for companies like Policy Genius. It's great for companies. It's great for all the insure techs. I actually think that where Lemonade and Hippo are getting beat up, both companies that I love and respect, I think that the insurance distributors might be in for a pretty a good few years. Fantastic. So um, as we as we kind of wrap up here, Mike, any any couple last last words or or, or last question? I know I kind of monopolized. Yeah, I have, I have two two last questions. I wanted to leave it leave it open to you, Mike. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little rapid fire, but we always we always try to give our listeners some sort of tangible. Uh, value add so one how how do people sign up or get involved with marble and then two what would you say you know what is your considering you're in the industry um so much what would you say is your advice for the average person who's you know maybe they're looking at getting insurance maybe they don't have any mm-hmm. um, what was how do you get marble and what's your general advice for this the average consumer out there in terms of insurance yeah so um to get marble you can to make an account, you can actually just go to insure.new. We grab one of those handy uh, Google domains. You can also go to marvelpay.com. We actually haven't announced this publicly yet. So maybe I'll just bury it here in the episode, but we won't promote it with this. But the app is actually live on the App Store too. We ju- It just went live last week. So we're still doing a friends and family only. But if you're listening to this and you've made it this far, we're now friends. And please go download <laughs> the app on iOS and Android and leave us a review. So that's how you get it. Um, so yeah, this is a, and that's a great question, Michael, because I just went through this with my friend as he was shopping for auto insurance. I think, you know, so your question was if you're going through this and you're, you're particularly if you're transacting, what's sort of the, like the, the, the best, best practice or how to think about it. I mean, for, for me, you know, a couple of big things come to mind. Apples to apples on coverage is going to be hard to do, but it's really, really, you know, either using a spreadsheet or, you know, in your marble account, make sure you know what coverage you have. And when you're comparing, make sure that you're at least getting something pretty, pretty normalized because those things are going to change. That'll really affect pricing. Um, Make sure you understand all the terms as well in your, in your coverage, you know, like look them up in advance, look them up during things like that, you know, just deductible co-insurance, just again, have those handy so you can refresh unless you really know that. And then finally is like really shop, you know, pull this goes back to the commoditization point pull as many rates in as you can you know use multiple sources if you have the time really make the market compete for your rate because that's i mean that's the it, that's how you get the best price you know ultimately that's the service that you can build for yourself so really cast a wide net dedicate the time to do that um and then the last sort of caveat is you know don't be surprised if rates jump a lot the last second um that's a you know, I'm sure Austin, you saw this, but that's a crummy part of life insurance still, or sort of all insurance is that, you know, until you answer those last final questions, you may be looking at a teaser rate and that teaser rate may change by two to three times at the end. So just, you know, um, don't, uh, don't get some quotes and think you're done, take them through. And that's going to be the price that you'll have to sort of budget for. That's, that's really good advice. And I mean, who better to, to give it than somebody who's right <laughs> Someone in the thick of all. Yeah. <laughs> And and also and has sold a lot of insurance as well. Yeah. 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 That's the yeah. 
Uh, you're, you're, you got us the uh, the inside scoop, I guess. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> from the from the uh, what is it? The the belly of the beast. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, I've been in here for years now, so. <laughs> Uh, well, you might have to change your your name to Jonah pretty soon if you're the <laughs> Stewart. Well, finally, the other Stewart will he could be the sole claimant yeah, of Stuart Winchester. So there you go, exactly. Well, it's been it's been a pleasure, Stuart. I appreciate uh, appreciate you coming on and, and joining Michael and I here on the on the long run show. It's always interesting. Mike said, you know, you're lucky you got on Stuart because. I think after this, three episodes on insurance, we need to kind of yeah. diversify yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, our episodes a bit. So under the... we're, we're probably going somewhere else. We're going to go in a yeah, different direction next time. So it's a good thing we it. had you yeah. on. Uh, but it is, it's been interesting. This this kind of journey, these, this mini journey Mike and I have gone on through insurance and insure tech and just thinking through, all right, in the long run, what's worth it? You know, we had a had an episode where we talked about different types of insurance. It's in, in the long run, I think insurance is worth it for sure. And I think there's, a lot of value at this point to be added uh, in the space, whether it's carriers or people facilitating carriers, like you're saying, infrastructure that's building out and needs to be continuing to be built out. Um, there's there's a lot lot of innovation to to watch. So we appreciate you coming on and, and giving us Thank the you for scoop. This is a blast. Awesome. And as Let's... you as you get ready for you know in a year from now to talk insurance again, I'll you know hopefully be able to still be around. So there we go. <laughs> There we go. You just gotta just gotta make it one more year, exactly, or one more day, I guess. Probably, yeah. It's somebody's new year every day. There you go. Well, I appreciate it, Stuart. This has been another episode of the Long Run uh, with your host Austin Wilson and Michael, Michael O'Connor. And we'll catch you next time. Thank you.